episode 151, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 3, Episode 15, Space Time. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, 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 all you agents out there. It's me, Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here to talk about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I am not alone, but I'm also not joined by who you would normally expect. The voice you're about to hear right now is not the uh, melodic, dulcet, baritone, tenor voice of Agent Dandy Daniel Butcher, because Life has gotten in the way. Dandy Daniel Butcher is not here today. Uh, I actually, for the first time, to keep things on schedule, we have brought in a guest host. Guest host, would you please introduce yourself? Hello, it's me, Agent Evan. I'm very happy to be here on the show. And Agent Evan is here. He's been on the show before, kind of, with some feedback. He's the one who did that whole Washington, D.C. adventure. Uh, Years... What, years past, yeah. Well, a year ago, maybe. Um, and so he has been involved in feedback for the episodes that we have been producing. Obviously not hosting episodes yet, but I have worked with Evan on actually two other podcasts now, uh, Comic Book Time Machine and Strangers and Aliens. And he's also someone who I spend time with uh, on occasion, uh, going to you know get some lunch, hang out, talk about comic books, talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, so talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with Evan is not something that is unusual in my life. It's just we haven't recorded any of our conversations about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So welcome, Evan. Thank you very much, Ben. Glad and, to be here. Glad and thank you. Out. Thank you for taking Daniel's chair for the day. And we do have some feedback. Uh, we have a, a recorded message from Daniel about this episode. But um, we're going to save that for for a little bit later. Uh, so for now, yeah, this is this is what we're doing, and this was really a way for us to k- stay on target with our scheduling rather than let things get way back uh, behind like we've had happen in the past. And so we're looking for some creative ways to do that. One of the creative ways to do that is what we're doing right now. So That's right, and I, I am the poor man's Daniel Butcher. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, Daniel, he's like... He's Superman, and I'm 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 like uh... Robin. <laughs> <laughs> good. I was gonna I was gonna say something that would offend a lot more people's interest, but yeah, Robin. Okay. okay. Good. Yeah. Well, let's go with Robin. And um, no, but you know, we we we. I one of the reasons I would uh, I feel comfortable bringing you in is I've I've we have a conversational relationship already. We talk we about stuff a lot, and so this was uh, an easy and quick replacement for the chair and yeah you, you're not here i mean you're never going to be daniel of course not. no one can be daniel no one can um except for daniel who does a pretty good job of being daniel if, if i do say so so I haven't met anyone who who's done a better job now ben yes let let's let's get down to the news because i am a warm rubbish about this episode let me just tell you what mm. i'm a warm rubbish Okay, well, let's. <laughs> Has he gotten to you? 
<laughs> no, he has he? Okay. If he if he had, I would have said the other thing. Oh, I see. But uh, no, I'm just trying to. Pay or are you homage. just waiting? Are you just waiting to see if he remembers in his his recording? So you you know if you have to keep the torch burnt or not. We'll see. Um, I neither confirm nor deny. All right. All right. <laughs> Yeah, hey, let's let's move on to our intelligence report. Shield intelligence report. And uh, not a lot of news, but there is one thing that did show up in my Facebook feed that I wanted to mention, and that was I saw a picture of Scott Derrickson uh, from his Facebook page saying that they had rapped on Doctor Strange, and then these other pictures have shown up in my feed. Have you seen these, Evan? With him running. Oh, Doctor Doc Strange running down. Yeah, the there's that one too. The okay. uh, yeah, where they're just kind of it looks like they're skipping merrily down the yeah. street. I, once they add in maybe some of the special effects, it's going to look like they're actually jumping over things or dodging you know, out of the way of right. I don't know magic blasts or something. But well, Ben, did you see the one where they have photoshopped in uh, Doctor Who skipping along with him? No, down the street. It was Doctor Who, and it was some. It was another one. I I can't remember it right now. But it was another famous British sci-fi person. I can't remember who it was. But they had all three of them lined up, skipping down the road. It was hilarious. That's funny. No, no. That, I'm thinking more, <laughs> less the awkward, almost embarrassing <laughs> pictures, and more the kind of super sweet, cool pictures uh, that have shown up of Benedict Cumberbatch uh, going to a comic shop in Doctor Strange regalia. And buying a Doctor Strange comic from the comic shop. No, I have not seen any of those. I'm looking it up this right now. This was on the day it. of wrapping their their I guess their primary uh, photo uh, shooting schedule, and it is it's pretty cool. I mean he he's standing there in the comic shop holding the the Doctor Strange comic. All I can think of is how embarrassing. Would it have been if that comic shop owner didn't have any Doctor Strange comics? I know. Because sad day for him. Yeah. It's not exactly, you know, a high demand commodity right now in comic book collecting. Although it's probably gonna going to become a little more high demand. But Well, he just got a new book, didn't he? So it's I think he did. That's yeah. why I saw Marvel Unlimited. So hopefully, hopefully I'm just it was thinking, a good bet. If you're one of those smaller shops that only, you know, orders what people actually want, you know? And so like, there's a, the one shop in, uh, in Michigan, I think you've actually been there, uh, too, but, uh, where they only sell graphic novels. And if you want individual issues, you have to, they'll get it for you. They'll order it for you. And, you know, with, from the diamond catalog, but they do not order any individual issues except for like super hot ones, you know, like, Oh, is that the one up in Muskegon? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. So, um, it has great shop, great shop. Oh, yeah. But I went in there hoping I could find a um, – I can't remember what I was reading at the time last summer, and and they just didn't have it. So that's what I'm thinking. Like maybe they get lucky and have like a maybe an essential Doctor Strange you know, in their $5 <laughs> graphic novel area or something. But it's that kind of thing where, oh, man, they are super glad that they <laughs> held on to those Doctor Strange comics. So. Absolutely. But, yeah, it seems like it's a wrap on principal photography. Uh, at least that's the impression I'm getting. I'm not sure the details there, um, but we're getting closer and closer to other than Ant-Man is, you know, this seems like more one of the more odd oddball. Well, I guess Guardians of the Galaxy was kind of odd, too. Yeah. Well, does it doesn't it come out this summer? 
this summer? No, no, I think it's like November. Okay. Oh, uh, we better look it up because. Let me look. Yeah, I don't know. Doctor Strange. Hold on, just a second. Talk, Ben. Yeah. This okay, is... it's November fourth. You're right. Hey, November. Um, I was going to cut this out because it's not very exciting, but it's more exciting since I was right, right? <laughs> Absolutely. A little bit more exciting anyway. Uh, I think we need to move on to the mission report then. Uh, okay. And we can we can talk about this episode, Space Time. And I, I have some things to talk about with this. So I want to get them off my chest. Let's get into I'm a, it. I'm a warm rubbish bin. He's gotten to you. I know he has. Mission report. Oh, my. <laughs> All right. Can I, before before we get going here, uh-huh. I have a confession to make. Uh-oh. I have never seen the original Terminator either. That is funny. That's actually not where I was going to go with uh, asking if you had seen something, though. Okay. Uh, but that is, that is a funny uh, thing when you consider... Actually, this episode, but yeah, and also I'm, when and you I'm consider big... on Strangers and Aliens, one of our things that we're doing is exposing you to old movies. <sighs> yes. That, um, some good, some bad. Uh, we've only actually watched two of them, but. Yeah, so I was going to ask you if you would ever seen the, the movie Dead Zone. Uh, or the TV show. No, I have seen the Dragon Ball Z movie called dead zone but i don't I think that's what you're talking I'm about i'm pretty sure that they have nothing to do with each other okay uh no dead zone is a movie that is based on a novel by stephen king and it's actually one of my favorite novels by stephen king uh, 11 is i think my favorite one right now okay but dead zone i really liked and they made a movie with christopher walken where when he would touch someone he would see their future huh. and they actually on Saturday Night Live did a hilarious spoof of this where he was working in the office and he would touch people and he would just see really mundane visions of the future. And so like he'd touch someone. He's like, I see you going to lunch and eating a pastrami sandwich, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> you're crossing the street and there's a bus coming but you looked both ways, so nothing happened. <laughs> and it's like just this really mundane. You just you made photocopies, thirty, you know that that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but in the in the movie and in the book, I haven't seen the TV series uh, at all. Um, but I've heard I've heard good things about it. But he uh, when he touches someone, he sees this vision. Usually something horrific uh and in in the case of um the president he sees something really really awful where he decides he has to stop this from happening and and actually pushes him into action but well then ben did you catch the the tie-in with this to to uh the this this dead zone thing the stephen king novel did you catch the other tie-in i did not Ah, should I should I reveal it? Well, now? go ahead. I... It's, it, I mean, we're talking about Dead Zone right now, so go ahead. What is the what is the girl's uh, or what what is the daughter of the man who's touching everybody? Uh, I don't remember. Name of a bird. It's Robin. Robin. Yeah. Yep. Hey. So, yeah. Another another little uh, 
uh, tie into or our earlier conversation too. But yeah. Anyway, continue. But I looked. Up, I was like, okay, Robin. What, why are they saying that name? You know, like, does it have any meaning in the Marvel universe? So I looked it up. Nothing. But we did get Robin Firth, who was the personal research assistant to Stephen King and the author of Stephen King's The Dark Tower: A Complete Concordance. Mm, yeah, and would have worked with Marvel when they were doing the uh, gunslinger adaptation stuff. Hmm. That uh, that might be a connection to Stephen King. That might be. Well, I just it's what I saw on Wikipedia. Okay. <laughs> nice using yeah. your, your Google skills, putting them to good use. That's what I do. I'm not a super Googler. I'm a mediocre <laughs> Googler, but I, I I try. So yeah, with that, then here we are. Uh, this episode is about a dead zone like character, and he. Let's just get into it. I I did do these these uh, plot summaries for each uh, each act, except for that for that final act. There's just so much going on. Oh yeah. Uh, I really couldn't streamline that too much, but I I figure we'll just do like we do with Daniel. Just go from commercial to commercial, and well, I should say we do sometimes, but yeah, let's let's go commercial That's- to commercial and, and talk about that, and and let's see what we got here. Sounds good. So Edwin Abbott is an unassuming grocery store owner, and he is touched by a homeless man named Charles. And it gives him a vision of a future in which he is attacked by Hydra. When S.H.I.E.L.D. arrives after intercepting a 911 call in which uh, they mention Daisy, Hydra, and uh, asking for help, um, Hydra actually attacks, fulfilling the vision. uh, And then they take Charles. And in taking Charles, Daisy runs grabs at Charles, touches Charles, has a vision. And uh, Edwin's dead, by the way, now oh, by, by the end of this. So poor guy knew what was coming, though. He knew what yep. was coming. But, you know, he's one of those unsung heroes uh, who he's in a completely ridiculous situation. But he's a normal guy, but he wants to help wants to help and so he he calls daisy he fulfills this uh, but helps helps bring daisy and the shield team into the situation so that's our that's our teaser that's our opener and it opens with uh our Ro- the robin yeah and and then we see a cigarette or a cigar maybe at least that's yeah. what it seems to be and then it turns out no he's using this to paint the robin and this is an oddball of an episode, wouldn't you say? It is. And I'll say right now, it is a different episode. It's it feels off as far as there's there's action and there's all the things you would expect. But because of this whole vision thing and there's this circular storytelling that I really appreciate that you can only get in certain kinds of stories. You can get it in a regular linear story. But time travel stories do it especially well. And this is close to a time travel story. They're all traveling yeah. into the future, but they're traveling with a roadmap. And starting with this Robin and the the ash and the sparks, um, we're going to find out later on that our opening shot here is – it has more significance than just setting up what's this Robin here for. Mm-hmm. And it, it actually, well, I, I guess this Robin has a lot of significance. I mean, it's being crafted by this guy, Charles. It's being, um, and he's, he's crafting it because of his daughter, whose name is 
Robin. Robin. Yeah. There's a little bit more to say about the grocer, but I'm going to wait because uh, it's something I should have caught. I didn't catch. Someone, one of our awesome listeners, is going to be getting a no prize in our feedback section because of this grocer. And I am very, very disappointed in myself. <laughs> and I am intrigued. Yes, yes. Super disappointed. I should have should have caught that one. Oh, back to Saturday Night Live. Stupid. Stupid. Oh, <laughs> well, how about that Hydra ship? I thought it was a drone. <laughs> it, was. it was. It was? Well, I mean, it was a life-size drone. It was shaped like a drone. It, You know, the, the little guy that you would pile around put a GoPro camera on so you could fly it around and get some nice aerial shots of your friends doing crazy stunts or whatever. Yeah, I was just confused because I was like, they said they're coming. But I didn't think they meant them was a remote-controlled helicopter. Well. But then it turned out to be a cool, full-size ship. So yeah. I thought it was cool. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting, though, because all the Hydra stuff we've seen thus far, I think, has actual propellers. Like the, really? the high, well, I mean, in this, in this iteration of Hydra, when they came and rescued, um, uh, cheap Cyclops guy, uh, who would turn people to Medusa eyes or whatever. Uh, yeah. Um, that was a helicopter, I believe. It might have even been this, this, this crazy thing. Yeah. It had know. the same arm attachment. Um, yeah. So Hydra comes, that's the, they, you know, they're coming. He repeats all of his dialogue. Poor guy repeats all of his dialogue from the vision. He has the vision. We don't see it, but we hear him say things and, and ends with, this is when I die. And you can just see him. He's just kind of looking around and realizing, oh, nice try, Daisy, but this is when I die. Poor guy. Poor, poor guy. That was sad. Yeah, so we, we get brought into the moment that he found or that he saw uh, let's see. The team monitors emergency dispatch around the world. Yeah, at all times. <laughs> at all times. <laughs> yeah. And then we get Sky's vision, Daisy's vision of the future. Uh, let's talk about that, because what does she see? She sees Fitzsimmons holding hands in the snow. In the snow, quote unquote. Yeah, which I knew especially once they said they called it snow. Uh, that's not snow. That's ash. <laughs> um, but, I didn't catch it. But how did, uh, well, how are they in, in the story? How are they going to know? Right. You know, they're, they're not, but. Um, we see a Lincoln bleeding from the head. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't seem good. Yeah, his face is just covered. And because of the coloring of the, the vision, you know, is that blood? Is that mud? What is that? But yeah, he's not looking good. We see, see, okay, we see Coulson shooting something, but yeah. until they told me he was shooting Daisy, I did not pick that up from the vision. But I maybe it's just all from her point of view? Well, that part at least was. I mean, not everything in the vision was her point of view because she wasn't right. there with Lincoln and she wasn't there with Fitzsimmons. But the the uh, Charles saying to her, I was hoping you could help, that was POV shot from her point of view mm. uh, when we get to there. And then this Coulson thing was also a POV shot from her point of view when we get to it. 
But because of the beginning part of this vision, we don't necessarily get that it's her her point of view for those two things. Um, and we also get a, kind of some fight stuff going on. Yeah, some more cool fighty fighty. Yeah. So we'll talk more about her vision when we when we get into the actual um, what are they going to do with the vision. But that's what she sees there, and you know, artfully done. Um, the whole we, we see three people touch Charles. I think it's three. Yeah, it's Edwin, it's Daisy, and it's Malik, and they all just kind of throw their heads back and their arms get thrown back, and they look upward at a camera that's um, moving above yeah. them. Oh, there's a fourth guy, the, the board member guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor guy. Yeah. But before we get to that, we, we need to set up a little bit of what's going on with Hydra. And that oh, yeah. is... Um, we get around a, the corner. Well, well, they, they take Charles, and then we cut away, and we, we are in Hydra's little uh, den, whatever that... that wherever they are i don't know if they're above ground below ground or where but they've been spending a lot of time there with uh, hive ward recovering <laughs> uh, ward has been um working with the wachowski brothers or the wachowski siblings or whatever they want to be called <laughs> right now um because he he's, is he's he's all about the matrix entrance he is <laughs> he's like dude i am wearing this nice knee length jacket I'm going to walk in slow motion and I'm going to come around that corner like nobody's business. Yeah. I and got no does. buttons on my shirt. I don't need them. Cause I'm, I'm cool. Cause I'm hive. Yeah. I'm hive. And he does, he comes around the corner. It is smooth. And it, then he talks. Is to that Malik. a new haircut? Uh, he, he cleans up nicely. He cleans yeah. up nicely. You know, new haircut. Maybe doesn't matter. He's, he's cleaned up and he's cleaned up nice. Uh, he has a conversation with Malik about power and what does Malik really want? What Malik really wants is power. And he's going to say he's going to give him power, show him power, uh, a higher power. And you know, Malik's talking about we're going to take over the world. And, and Hive Ward is just uh, we got some stuff we need to figure out first, man. You got some stuff you need to do. And they bring in Charles. They have him. So we'll see where that's going. Well, let's, let's let me talk about Hive real quick. If that's all right. Yeah, let's talk about Hive. I mean, I really like the direction that they're going with this. To me, I'm not seeing Grant Ward when I'm looking at the screen. Like it doesn't register in my mind that that's still him because the what what's this actor's name? Brett Dalton. Yeah, yeah. He is doing a great job with this. I mean, just he's he's putting on the full on. Uh, Terrence Stamp, General Zod. He's getting there, yeah. Yeah, yeah is what I'm good. seeing. Because he's he is cool, he is calm, he is large and in charge. And I mean, before then, you totally saw Malik's control and sway over him before he was hive, but now it's totally flipped. And just the the air of confidence he has on him. And you don't know where he's going or what he's gonna say. And I, I just really like it. Yeah, this is his. I mean, this is his. Hydra. And I like that we have a supernatural or I keep dropping machine man keeps falling over on my desk here. <laughs> Poor guy. He's not a man. He's just a machine. 
He just wants to be accepted. Um, anyway, he is, it's clearly, this is his business. You know, this is his Hydra. This is a new Hydra. And if we're going to have a new Hydra that has to stay hidden, because in the movies, as far as the movie continuity is concerned, Hydra is not going to be seen. This is, well, this is a kind of cool way to go. How do we know that? Cause we don't know still, that. I'm just saying he was still working in Ant-Man. I'm just saying if, if they're gonna be working in the shadows, this is the way to go. Mm. I like this that they're they're kind of uh, going beyond just the normal um, military or militarist dick. Uh, that's not a word, is it? Yeah, it is militaristic, yeah, militaristic. leaders. Um, I, I like this with this kind of alien, inhuman leader of Hydra. And it's getting back to Hydra's roots because their original leader was kind of a, not really an inhuman, but he's an enhanced human with alien connections, quote unquote. So it feels like they're getting back to, to where they should be. Yeah. Yeah. This is nice stuff. I'm liking it. All right. So we come back from commercial and there's lots of conversation about the possibility of seeing the future or the impossibility of seeing the future and the feasibility of stopping the future that has been seen, if indeed the future has been seen, and Coulson has a plan. And that is they're going to do what they can to help Charles and avoid the details of the vision while using the details of the vision to actually save him. Uh, Charles' wife shows up and gives some information about his tragic backstory and that he's an inhuman. We find out that there actually was the shell that formed around him. And meanwhile, Malik and Hive are going to use Charles as a threat of intimidation as they go in for a hostile takeover of a business that makes mechanical exoskeletons. And the reason they know about this business is because the hand that Coulson used to crush Ward's chest was left behind on the planet on with, with Ward because Coulson, I mean, I wouldn't want the hand that I used to crush a former friend's life from his body. Um, <laughs> That's good to know. Well, you know, if it's a robotic hand, I mean, if it was my own hand, I would, I would probably hang on to it. But um, the robotic hand was left behind and they were able to track down who had helped them create this robotic hand or where some of the tech came from anyway. And so this hand belongs or was, was there's components that were made by this company this company makes exoskeletons. So, you know, whatever that means for what their plan is, but they are going to buy the company. Period. Full stop. That's their that's their uh that's their bargaining chip. We're going to buy you. We don't want to buy an exos an exoskeleton. We want to just buy you. So, yeah. And they got the money to do it. They, they do have the money to do it, but the guy is not interested. The guy is not interested at all. And so um, they use Charles as a threat. And this is where you were talking about. Yeah, where uh, they say no. Ward Hive says, let me show you what will happen. And Charles touches the guy. And the guy sees the vision of the future and instantly changes his tune. We will sign the papers right now. And this is where we get a little vision into the evilness behind Ward, behind Hive. 
Oh yeah. And that is no, 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 no. You don't understand. You, you, you misunderstand. Uh, I'm not telling you what will happen if you don't do this. I'm telling you what will happen. And he starts to use his power when we cut to commercial. Then, and it's man, a threat of just, inevitability, not a threat of what will happen if they don't do something. Right, and you could just tell by the way he worded it beforehand that there's you're not getting through this. And man, that vision lasted a couple seconds longer than I thought it was gonna. And that was pretty graphic. It that might was. that might have been the most graphic thing we've seen on the show. Uh possibly. It was gory thing anyway, probably. It was very gory. I mean, it was yeah, it was gross. <laughs> it was it was gross. Yeah. Um Yeah, I, I could make a, another joke right now. I'm not going to make the joke because in our feedback, someone made the joke, and that's the only reason I'm thinking of the joke. But it's it's a good joke, and it's coming in the feedback section. So don't turn off your podcast when we're when we move over there. But uh, beyond that, we get Charles' backstory. Um, yep, from his wife. Yeah, which is it is tragic. It's the the worst part of it is we find out every vision he has is about someone's death. Yeah. That's just, yeah, that would drive you crazy. That would drive you crazy. And then she says, and this is, oh, this is heartbreaking. I didn't have tears in my eyes, but my heart broke a little bit. He left because he could never touch his daughter. Mm. And then you're thinking, well, wait a minute. He could just endure it. No, wait. It's not just him who sees this vision. It's, the other person too. So anytime he touched his daughter, he'd be giving her a vision of someone's death. And so right there you're, Oh yeah, that's not good. Yeah, I, I chose not to think about that too deeply because I've got a little girl on the way currently. So I didn't yeah. want to dwell on that too much, but well, yeah, got, that's sad. I've got three little girls and mm. I dwelled on it. Mm. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I mean, I, I was thinking about, Oh, this is horrible. This is horrible. Of course, then I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Couldn't he just like wear a really thick sweatshirt and some gloves? <laughs> and, you know, then you can hold the child. The child can feel you, you know, holding them. And, you know, there's the warmth. There's the heartbeat. There's all that kind of thing. And I mean, come on. Think it How through. Get creative. Yeah. But he. Uh, yeah. And that's at the beginning. You see that. When, uh, was his name Abbott? Edwin Abbott comes up with a with some money. He's gonna give Charles some money, and Charles is like, no, no, I don't want any trouble. And I'm thinking, interesting, you know, uh, he doesn't want any trouble. He, he, the guy's offering him money, but the trouble was not the money. The trouble was if we accidentally touch, and they do, hmm. they do, not good. Can we just give the show a round of applause for the probably best explained lecture on quantum mechanics uh, that we've had on television? Yeah. What was my note that I wrote down? <laughs> because, man, not only do you have to uh, simplify it for Colson, you have to simplify it for the audience who is watching the show so they can get the concept, too. And I think... What a bang up job they did. They did a really good job. And it's it's actually one of the better explanations I've seen, period. Yeah. Of of what they're talking about with this fourth dimension and making because any any 
time that someone is trying to explain the fourth dimension of time using any kind of thing that we can actually handle, uh, you're, you're taking one concept and you're breaking it down into something that we can understand. And I really liked the way he did that with a stack of copier paper. And yeah, here's the line. And, you know, if you're two dimensional, you see the line changing. But if you're standing away from that and you're looking at it, there is no change. And it's all inevitable, though. And so this is, you know, Fitz is just you can't change anything. If you've seen the future, it's happened. So don't don't even try. And Daisy is saying, well, we're going to try and we need to try. We need to do this. And Colson is kind of in between. He's just, you know what? Maybe we can. Maybe we can't. But we have to do what we can. And what are we going to do? We're going to make sure nobody goes. Nobody goes that would be seen that was seen in the vision. And now we're getting, I, I guess I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but this is also where um, you get into Colson talking to Lincoln about Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> saying if, if John Connor's kid or if John Connor's alive to send someone back to get his mom pregnant, he doesn't need to send someone back to get his mom pregnant. And there's some truth to that. Unless you're talking about a time loop that is constant and continual and has created itself. So, ah, my head hurts. Yeah. But okay, so let so, me ask you this. This probably counts us out for Kang the Conqueror. He's probably not gonna show up then. Well, I, I don't think we're gonna get into any actual time travel in the MCU. I really don't. We might later on, but Well, what does this say about Thor's visions of the future in the mysterious cave bath? Well, I don't know, because I thought when when I realized this is what this episode was about, I was wondering if they were going to take a route where it's you know, all of the, the possible futures. It's, it's kind of that quantum mechanic idea of um, possible future Schrodinger's cat, you know, kind of thing where he might be in there. or He might be not. You can't know until you open it up and until you open it up, the cat both exists and doesn't exist in the box. It's not until you open it to see if it's in there or not that. It, those two possibilities become one uh, reality. I think that's how that works. Mm. And I thought that what we were looking at was to make it more scientifically plausible and MCU it. Um, you know, these are just you know possible futures. But then Reina's futures, they occurred. They happened. Mm. Right? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think everything she saw happened. We saw it yep. happen as well. So, but Fitz is saying, if you saw the future, that's the future, period. Daisy is saying, I can't accept that. And Colson is saying, I don't know if Fitz is right, but we got to try. So it's kind of these nice little uh, worldviews coming into play here. And the other thing, though, this, this gets you thinking, though, because then we've seen the future uh, three months from now. Uh, there's, there's something that happens in the orbit around the Earth that involves an explosion and a person's shoulder that's probably and, still attached to the person. And a floating cross. And a floating cross, which I did see this time around. Yep, me too. So we got to find out who's right and who is wrong in this philosophical quantum physics debate. But before we do so, Hive, this is, we're now coming back from the commercial break. 
Hive gives Malik the exoskeleton the company was developing. And he goads Malik into killing a man with his bare hands to no true power. And then Cruz, Ted Cruz, actually won the Wisconsin primary from Trump. It was <laughs> totally unforeseen. I couldn't believe this. Uh, and then uh, Malik did crush the man's head. Did they interrupt the show? They did. <laughs> they did. That's hilarious. Uh, it's just right in the middle of the scene. And I was trying to figure out, did I miss something? I think I've missed a uh, minute and a half to two minutes of the episode. I don't know what happened after. So you didn't see the head crush? Oh, I did see the head crush. Okay. So I, I don't did. know if they figured out, you know, if if they just started it right away because they were in the same scene after we came back from the presidential coverage. Okay. But I didn't know if I missed something in the scene. And then it ended right on time. And hmm. so that's where I was kind of trying to figure out, did they do fewer commercials? Uh, did they cut that so they could end on time, but they didn't lose any of the, the show? I don't know. Um, but that's where... Yeah, uh, Hive is saying you got to true – if you want to feel true power, you got to crush him. You have to drain his life with your own hand. Mm. And yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't see it. Me and my wife, we, we turned away from the screen. <laughs> didn't know what was going to happen. They already showed a bunch of gore once. Well, you want to talk about gore. When he crushed that head, it was gruesome. It was not gory. It was disgusting. Mm. But it was not bloody. It, he, that, that head was misshapen, man. Yeah, that I think head, I caught a little bit of that out of the corner of my oh, eye. But. It was just, oh, yeah. This episode had some rough stuff uh, between, well, in their climax, there's some rough stuff too with Malik. Um, but it's all Malik. Mm. Uh, it's all Malik related, I guess. And it's Hive kind of pushing Malik into a new kind of evil. Because, yeah, let's talk about Malik right here. Okay. He's saying, actually, this whole segment was just them. Oh, no, no, no. There's also uh, May is meanwhile planning her, her mission to save Charles because she's the one who's being sent in. And so she is practicing move by move what Sky saw in her vision. And they keep resetting. And it's this kind of this constant rehearsal. And I felt bad for our actors because they're in the middle of they're doing this constant rehearsal on screen. So they've rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed. And now when they actually do the thing that they've rehearsed, it's them pretending to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. Um, but they finally get things down and then they're interrupted by Dr. Andrew Lash. Yeah. yeah. Unexpected. Yes. Totally unexpected. Unless you watch the names and the credits that were scrolling past at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. So, I did not. <laughs> yeah. It was right there at the very end of all the list of the guest stars. Oh, cool. He's back. Can't wait to see. Yeah. So, okay. Let's talk about Malik and, and Hive now because Ward, Hive, is pushing him to kill a man with his bare hands because he says, you know, you've considered shooting someone and you've ordered people dead. You've seen people get killed, but you haven't done it with your own hands. So you haven't felt true power. And power is what you want. And so you have now this exoskeleton that takes you and makes you not just this old man who has political and, and monetary power, but gives you physical power to do, you know, to fight, honestly, 
to fight superpowered individuals if if the need were to arise which it does so i i thought it was kind of an interesting look into his character but then i remembered you know what about his daughter she was in the episode she was at the very beginning she was standing at the, uh, table. At the table oh yeah. okay good good so who knows what they're doing with her? Oh, well, they haven't done much with her yet. So yeah. they, they haven't even given us really an indication of what they plan to do with her. So uh, I just thought it was interesting that the things that, that, Ma- that, that Hive was saying about Malik, that Malik hadn't done these things. And I, kinda, I, I found it a little surprising that Malik wasn't as hands-on, so to speak, as... As he was in this episode. Yeah, well, we don't know how he got into Hydra. Was he already a member of the world? Well, no, they say his family brought him up to believe in Hydra. Yeah, yeah, no, he's he's a true believer. From, he's a generational Hydra. Gen, yeah, he's generational. So, hmm. yeah. I guess it's a. I guess it's another thing. Sending somebody through a portal, I guess it's not really killing them yourself. No, no, he's ordered people to die. He's seen right, people yeah. die, and he's uh, the way the way Ward Hive puts it. You've considered shooting someone, but it sounds like he hasn't done it himself. Yeah, I would say it's similar to Lex Luthor, but it depends on which Lex Luthor you're reading. There's a lot of Lex Luthers, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a lot, and I don't like, I don't dislike any of them. I don't think there's nope. a, I don't think there's a Lex Luthor that I have seen that I'm like. That's dumb. Okay, yes. Okay, there's one. It's in the animated film Superman Brainiac Attacks. Just skip it. It's terrible. Mm. Oh, I think I did see that one. At least Lex Luthor's terrible in it. The rest of the movie's kind of good. Yeah, those those DC animated movies are okay at yeah. best. The Marvel animated movies? Yeah. <laughs> they are not easy to watch. Not I feel like I saw one good watch. one. Next Avengers. Yes, that's the one with yep. Ultron. That one was decent, although it was essentially brand new characters. But yeah, uh, that was my introduction to Ultron. That was the first time I ever even heard of him. What was that movie? Yeah, I do have the Marvel anime stuff and I've watched some of it, but I want to watch more. Um, but they had two anime movies that weren't bad. Daniel hated them. <laughs> uh, way back when we were starting Welcome to Level 7 I'm pretty sure this is something that happened while we were doing Welcome to Level 7 it might have been right before that but he accidentally rented one and brought he it accidentally home. rented one well it was from a red box or something like that and he he thought it was an Iron Man cartoon movie and he brings it home and it was just like this anime thing that, and they're weird I mean they, they they feel like anime movies does he so. just hate them because they're anime no he hates them because he hated it Like he just didn't like it. Have you seen them? I feel like I saw Iron Man Rise of the Technovore. Yeah, I think that's the one. I got like a quarter of the way in and decided, nah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we have a new segment to create. Making Evan watch animated manga or anime (laughs) of Marvel. Okay, well we can go both ways there, Ben. We can go both ways there. I got a list of Dragon Ball Z movies for oh, you. Dragon Ball Z. Oh, man. Let's move on. 
Uh, right. Lash. Let's talk about Lash. They bring him in, and he says he came to say goodbye because he feels like this is the last time he's going to turn. So shall we uh, turn the page of my notebook and turn past the commercial break and talk about May and Andrew? Uh, yes. And I'd like to also talk. Okay. You just keep going. Okay. So after this commercial break, we come back and May and Andrew have a heart to heart and she starts to soften to him. Although she's pretty hard with him before that. Um, you see, Colson's not going to let her go on the mission now because he has come back. And Daisy is actually now going in on the mission, even though they were trying to make sure no one from the vision was actually going to do anything. Now she's in. And yep. so there's one person from the vision that's we're, are we stepping into this predestination, this inevitability of the future? She goes in. It seems like everything uh, the, it seems like actually her vision might be wrong because Colson's not there. But then Colson who has seen Ward on security cameras, or Hive, that is. One of the best moments in. of the episode. Yeah. And he doesn't shoot her. He shoots a one-way mirror, meaning from her point of view, looking into the mirror at Coulson, he's shooting where her reflection would be for him. But, and so that makes it for her point of view that the gun is pointed directly at her as far as the thing in her tunnel vision from this vision of the future. The vision is not wrong, my friend. The vision is interpreted. Uh, interpreted? <laughs> interpreted wrong. They have an incorrect interpretation of what they are seeing in the vision. For example, snow. We'll get to it's it. Not snow. It's not. So Daisy goes, so May can stay. May comes in and is talking to Andrew and she's hard hearted, but he's softening her heart. He says he's losing his grip that when he is him, Lash is part of him. But when he is Lash, he is part of Lash. Nice little mm -hmm. uh, bit there. Um, they're actually trying the vaccine that Simmons was creating from Creel's blood. Was it just last episode we talked about the vaccine being used on Andrew? The last episode of the episode before, yeah, yeah. It's quick payoffs. <laughs> yeah, seriously quick. Uh, but is it a payoff? Because I do remember uh, talking about how they were saying, we don't know if he's turned completely yet, but, you know, he's not a complete inhuman yet and i remember thinking that was kind of silly and then it's it feels even more silly here where it doesn't even work or at least we it seems like it doesn't work because he changes to lash it's true um, but we don't know if lash is the one in control or maybe andrew is the one in control yeah yeah it, i don't know where they're going with this uh I wasn't expecting him to come in this episode until I saw his name. And then I wasn't expecting this to be what they were going to do with him. Um, and, but he has an interesting motivation he wants to say goodbye, but then he also says he wants this monster in shields hands because they might need him because they might need him. Um, 
and the conversation going on around about him with, uh, I can't remember who was talking about this, but um, saying that the monster may have been fighting for a cause that we don't even understand yet. I think it was Lincoln and Colson talking about this, but right. Yeah. The idea, well, well, he, he said that to may and then Colson and Lincoln were talking about how that might feed into Lincoln's theory that all the inhuman gifts are pre-planned yes. gifts with a purpose. And, and then Colson's the purpose like, well, being balanced. Just all crazy. They balance each other out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but May, she has some touching things to say. Every terrible oh. thing. What? I just had a mind bomb. What was it? Lash is there because somehow the universe knew that Hive was coming back. Oh, that'd be interesting. Okay, we're going to mark it down. It is 11.36 p.m. on <laughs> April the 6th. Don't give away the date we're recording. <laughs> then people know. Uh, I don't know why they shouldn't know. Sorry, agents. But, we weren't on time this week. But you should, you should mark that down, agents. Well, we you weren't on time because we are setting up what are we going to do here <laughs> to make this work. But, uh, hmm. Yeah. He's the balance. Interesting. Hmm. Sorry, yeah. mind bomb just yeah, happened. Yeah. So May has some touching things to say. She feels bad. She feels guilty because every terrible thing that happened to him was because of her. Which true, if they hadn't been in a relationship, they wouldn't have happened. Those things wouldn't have happened to him. But they did, and he doesn't regret it. And yeah. he loves her, and you know he's he's not here to repair himself he's just here because he wants to do what's good and what's right yeah and then uh this is where colson colson sees the security camera footage and sees hive who looks exactly like ward the looks on their faces yeah loved it and the line day got weirder (laughs) (laughs) yeah because they're talking about lash being there and the whole vision thing and you know well at least it can't get weirder but it got weirder. Yeah. But I like this idea kind of, of the, the idea that the vision of the future, it's going along with what Fitz said of, you know, it's the future. It's going to happen. You can't stop it, but they're misinterpreting the vision mm-hmm. and what it actually meant and where, you know, they were able to use that information to find Charles and to get to the place where he was. But the things they were seeing, the snow they were seeing, the shot they were seeing. Um, yeah. I, I like this idea, but I don't know where, where this episode goes. So we get our big climax scene. Um, Andrew turns into Lash. May cries about it. Because it's sad. Yeah. And it's a full change. You know. Lincoln gets beat up pretty bad and sees Ward or sees Hive. Okay. I thought I was being clever here, Ben. What? Because when they are, when they're doing that big rehearsal scene, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm calling it. I'm like, oh, May's going to throw something at Lincoln. She's going to miss. He's going to miss. He's going to cut his head open. (laughs) Oh, there it is. There it is. I was calling it the whole time. Didn't happen. I was like, ah, I'm not as smart as I think I am. (laughs) All right. Anyway, continue. 
So Daisy battles Malik to save Charles. And she gets beaten bad. But Charles distracts Malik with a vision. So Daisy can stop Malik from, you know, his exoskeleton enhanced battling. Um, and as so Malik's laying there, that skeleton is kind of frozen on him. As Charles dies, they talk. And we'll talk about their conversation. But she has a vision of the future from three months from now, that flash forward that we've already seen. And then from our tag scene, the tag scene only reveals to us that Malik is scared. Now, the question is, what is he scared of? I'm thinking the vision. He's calling and he chews out TV Magneto. And TV Magneto is like, well, I, I, he says, you know, you're supposed to serve me and you're supposed to protect me. So I feel like something happens where he wasn't getting the protection he needed. And that's what he's scared of, maybe. But then TV Magneto's like, I'm where, right where I need to be. And Hive says, hey, TV Magneto, what did Malik have to say? And TV Magneto says, he's scared. And as far as tag scenes go, I'm not, you know, I, I give this one a, a C minus. <laughs> this is yeah. one of the least interesting tag scenes that I've but seen let, on this show. Let's be honest, Ben. It's better than last week's. What was last week's? Oh, the, that was when the, with the daughter. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah. Well, that reveals a daughter, but doesn't reveal any reason why we should care that there's a daughter. Yeah. yeah. Well, you did better than me. I, I would have gave it a lower one because I didn't even catch that the reason he's scared is because of that vision that we never got to see. They don't play it up at all. He's just sitting there in that. Uh, I think he's in a plane or a helicopter or a helicopter. It's, it's a flying vehicle. Oh, yeah. maybe it's the four bladed drone thing. Yeah. But he is sitting there just kind of, uh, with this kind of, uh, it's not quite mildly annoyed face. It's scared. It's shaken. He's shaken, not stirred. And he, he, oh, it is not an interesting or exciting uh, tag. Not really. Beyond that, that element that you really have to infer. I might be wrong. I'm, I'm probably not, but I might be. So. Yeah, it, it wasn't the best. But, like I said, better than last week, as far as I'm concerned. So what else do we get out of this? We uh, we, we get the final moments between Daisy and, and Vision Guy. Yeah, yeah. Which, they're touching, you know? Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the moments are touching, which is what I meant, but also Daisy and Charles are touching because she sees that, that vision. But um, this is also where the... The whole thing comes full circle back to that Robin laying on concrete with sparks flying around it. Yes. That's what we opened with. And that's not what we close the episode with, but it is what we kind of close the, well, close the story on, on Charles with. Yeah. And well done. And he, he says, and his line, I was hoping you could help me comes from wanting help for his daughter in case she has the same kind of thing is if it's hereditary, will you help my daughter? And Daisy promises. Um, we also get the 
hand-holding. Yes. And yeah. here's what I'm thinking as this is happening. Because Simmons turns to Fitz and she says, I believe we're supposed to hold hands. Mm-hmm. Now, Fitz has the opportunity right here, right now, to disprove everything that he knows about quantum physics. He's just got to not hold her hand. But you know that when your girl wants to hold your hand, you're going to hold her hand. Yeah. And, and of course, Simmons' line is, maybe some things are inevitable. <laughs> and, and He's like, I'm not going to argue with you right there. No, but you know what it should have been? I, I don't know how they could have done this with him unless they had made it a thing where Simmons was kind of taking the side and they didn't do this but if they given Simmons the opportunity to take Daisy's side and that would be the the closing of that arc for her is no we just don't have to do it and it'll be okay and then they're standing there and she's like well I guess this is where we hold our hands and so for her it's I'm just going to give in to the inevitable here and then for him it's he he could have proved his theory wrong but but he's gonna he's gonna take any chance he can get to hold Simmons' hand. Let's just be honest here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. So then the Daisy Malik battle that was rough. Yeah, I mean we got skeletons and with muscles still on it. We got um, head crushing, head crushing, and then we get this man in an exosuit just punching a woman in the face and. I don't know if that makes me sexist or whatever. Uh, it was rough to watch. It mm. was it was difficult for me to watch him him just wail on her face with these powerful powerful arms and hands. It was it was not an easy thing to see. So, but that's where where they went, and it was a. Uh, this was May. Had said to Daisy early on. You're not invincible. And Daisy says, well, let's let's find out. Mm. And this is when Daisy was trying to convince everyone to let her go on the mission before Lash showed up. And this is I think this is kind of the payoff to that is she goes in thinking she can do better with her powers than May could. Uh, but then she just gets, oh, it, it was bad. It's Chekhov's invincibility. <laughs> it was rough. It was rough. So yeah, that's where our episode ends. And I think we touched on the big conversation point that I really wanted to get into, which was this whole idea of these visions that are locked in. And the question would be for Fitz then, you know, it's kind of that predestination question where if everything that you do has already been done, Everything you do is what you were going to do anyway. And why bother even doing anything? Now, again, if you if predestination is true, where the future has been written for you, once you stop making choices and just lay back and don't do anything, you were preordained to do so. <laughs> you know, you're just doing what the future was the written future was was saying. But um I, I really I think I I fall down with uh with Colson on on the the three-way debate there between Daisy, Fitz, and Coulson is, you know what? Maybe it is. Maybe it is true. We're just going to keep doing what we got to do and, yeah. and not worry about those other things. We just have to do the best we can 
and the future, predestination, locked in time, you know, there's no changing. Doesn't matter. We're doing what we have to do. And because otherwise these characters, although this is now we're getting meta, but if if what Fitz is saying is true, they have the illusion of choice. Right. You know, which, they're just the puppets of the writers in Hollywood. And that's what yeah, that's where it's getting kind of meta is these characters are predestined. There is no choice for them. They are they had the script written for them. And then the actors acted it out. Well, according to Agent May, every move we make changes the future. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm with you, Ben. If we will never know on this earth what time really does, but we just got to keep keep moving, keep moving forward. That's right, because we are all time travelers, as I'm fond of saying, we just keep moving forward into the future. One second at a time. <laughs> at a very well, I guess it's a relative rate, depending on where you are. But um, since we're not near a black hole, <laughs> the relativity—we're yeah, not here in black hole. It's it's pretty it's much the pretty, same. Pretty thing, consistent. But, pretty consistent yeah. for us. But yeah, um, I liked this episode a lot. I really enjoyed this episode because it went into these places where you can kind of think through these things, and uh, yeah, and Fitz's explanation of how time works. Um, there's some really neat stuff there. And it was just, uh, you know, he's talking about two dimensional space and, and a, a, an entity experiencing only two dimensions would not be able to see that third. And so the movement there would, would uh, it was so neat. It was so neat. Yeah. And just this idea of trying to comprehend, you know, us in our limited uh, perception, trying to comprehend something that is outside of our perception. And, and then there was, you know, them fumbling through and trying to figure out what the vision means. And there was just a lot of stuff that I liked about this. Uh, but ours is mine is just one voice. Yours is just one voice. There is another voice that we need to hear on this. And that is that from Dandy. Daniel Butcher. So I'm going to cue this up right now and get this ready to play so we can hear what Daniel thought of space time. Oh, agent, uh, agent Daniel here. Currently on assignment to remind everyone when picking up a ground ball with a lacrosse stick, make sure to get low, get super low, get that cush. To the ground. But hey, other news. There were some tears. Tears in the old hub tonight. It was truly a hot mess. But it wasn't about Andrew. It's about Charles. So good job, writers. You made Charles be a one episode guest that people cared about. So nice. Nice. Again, lots of tears. Thoughts crying or sweating from the eye. Another thing, let's make sure to talk about, gentlemen, agents. Lincoln makes that discussion about the fact that, you know, maybe Charles is there out of his mind. You know, equilibrium, balance. Is it possible that Lash also exists to create balance? Is there some sort of maniacal plan that basically calls for a Lash? when you have an explosion of inhumans as such, 
I mean, Ma used to control the Terrigen. Control who got to be an inhuman. So there wasn't a need for Lash. But now that there's inhumans everywhere, does the inhuman design require, well, a predator? There you go. Talk amongst yourselves. Make sure to call Daisy Daisy, not Sky. Peace out later. Bye. So, Lash, what do you think? You already had your brain explode because of Lash. So. I did. I'm still going with my thing because I think it's more poetic, but uh, I like Daniel's theory too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to see where they go now with Lash. I think that there's some really neat stuff they can do with, well, the monster that they have in, you know, in the holding cell. But then what is going to happen that's so bad that they release the monster? Because you know they're going there. Yeah. But then I also have the question, when's Graviton going to come back? I was just thinking, (laughs) they do all this inhuman stuff. Are we ever going to get Graviton to return? I don't know. Grava who? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, okay. Well, I think that's the end of our conversation here then about the episode. And I think that really we can move into feedback now. We got some feedback about this episode. And we also have a a review to talk about. And then there's the uh, no prize that I promised. The person who sent in the no prize, uh, the, the no prize worthy feedback, I think they know they're getting it because of when I said it. But I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway for them, okay? Because they deserve it. You ready, Evan? Yes. Here we go. Shield Field Report. All righty. Well, let's see here. Um, I'm going to bring up my mail. And i got to log back in. But it's all I'm good. Gonna, I'm going to sit here because I don't have executive level 7 access no, to no. the mail feed. I'm, I'm only level 6. But uh, let's see. We heard from Agent Jessica. And she says, uh, subject line, space-time episode. Um, I guess it does what's on the tin. Uh, she says, hey, guys, I just got done watching yesterday's episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and wanted to write in. I haven't listened to the podcast for a few episodes, so I'm a bit behind on your comments. But I wanted to send in feedback while the episode is fresh on my mind. I really like this episode a lot, and I'm glad the team finally knows about Demon Ward. I thought the story for this episode was really interesting, and I was super tense most of the way through. I was actually a little surprised that they were wrapping up things with Daisy's vision, at least until she touched the guy again, and we were reminded of the spaceship blowing up. I thought it was a cool way to keep the tension high, even if the guy isn't going to be around anymore. Speaking of the spaceship, I'm I'm still not convinced that is Sky, I mean Daisy, is in the ship. Given all the misdirection with all the other visions and the fact that the context is so unclear, there are several ways. It could go down. We know that someone dies in each of the visions that were that were shown, but it's not necessarily the person seeing them that dies. Since Daisy didn't die, although everything came to pass as she saw, and she took a pretty good beating. We also know that the person who sees the vision won't necessarily see each of the events in person. Daisy didn't actually see Lincoln with the bloody face or the snow scene with Fitz and Simmons, even though she had a vision about it. This means that anyone could still be in that spaceship and no one is really ruled out if anyone is in it at all. Even if Daisy will be witnessing the scene in the future, in uh, it, the, the full context is not clear. She saw herself get shot by Coulson, but couldn't tell she was looking at a reflection. It could be that if Daisy is witnessing the spaceship explode, she's doing it remotely. 
like through a camera on the ship or even through a window of a more secure area of the ship. Regardless of what actually happens, I really hope we get to find out soon, and I hope that's not the last shot of the season. Ah, oh, I'm breaking in here. Um, that would stink. <laughs> that would. If we ended the season, like they, they opened the season with this mystery, we're going to make you think about this, and who is this, who is this, and that turns out to be the cliffhanger for this season. Oh, that would be terrible. That would be but terrible. Sh- but surely we would know by then who it is on the ship, even if that is the last scene. Maybe. Maybe. Mm. Uh, Angel Jessica goes on to write, is Andrew really gone for good? Also, what do you think about Lincoln telling Coulson that he'd kill him if Coulson shot Daisy? Uh, <laughs> breaking in here, uh, Coulson kind of smiled at that. Yeah. It was kind of a funny moment where Coulson's like processing, like, yeah, okay. I approve of this guy. Yeah. Uh, back to Agent Jessica. It seems to me that Lincoln is a bit of a wild card still. There's been a lot of hinting about him having a relatively high potential to go bad ever since Lash was introduced. Andrew essentially said he only went after the ones that were bad or had darkness. If Andrew really is gone and Lash gets out somehow, I would not be surprised at all to see him go after Lincoln again. I don't want to see Lincoln go dark to the point of no return or even close to where Ward ended up. But having him as an enemy could be interesting if they do it the right way and have good enough reason for it. I'm not sure if that's where they're headed, but they sure are doing a lot of foreshadowing, if not. Anyway, I really like this episode and thought Daisy's fight scene was cool. A lot happened in this episode, and I like the new Inhuman story, even though it was kind of a brief interaction. I really hope Andrew isn't gone for good, but it seems it kind of seems that way. I was really tense most of the episode and can't wait for next week. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. As always, Agent Jessica. Uh, she has a PS. We'll get to that in just a second here, Evan. But um, I do think we're not done with Andrew. Well, maybe we're done with Andrew, but Lash is coming back. We're not yeah, done well, with Lash slash Andrew. I hope we're not done with Andrew because, man, poor Agent May. But uh, I think we'll see him again yeah. at least once. And they are, yeah, with the Lincoln stuff, they are definitely setting something up there. But, uh, okay, Agent Jessica's PS says, P.S., I watched Batman v Superman and thought it was decent. I actually saw it twice and liked it a lot better the second time. Wonder Woman was my favorite part, and I'm excited for the Justice League movie. However, I still think I enjoyed this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. much more than the movie. Oh. It wasn't horrible, but it wasn't awesome. Um. Yeah, the Wonder Woman being your favorite part, that is not uncommon. That is actually, I've heard a lot of people say similar things about that. And and she was good. She was a good part of the movie. So It's true. Uh, let's see here. From Agent Dylan. Uh, subject, Gideon Malik equals Del Rusk. Uh, agents, Del I would... Rusk. Huh? Del Rusk? Uh... uh Agents, I would like to revise my theory after information from the episode two weeks ago. Once I learned Malik had a daughter who was also Hydra, I theorized he may be the Red Skull. This would make his daughter Stephanie an MCU'd sin. So he's he's saying that the, the daughter of Red Skull who is sin would, would be the daughter of Malik here. Then he says, end transmission. P.S. Did you see the Red Skulls this week? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's the joke I was telling you about that 
I wouldn't have thought to say the joke if I hadn't read this. So instead, you know, I teased the joke that was here, even though it popped into my head as we were talking. I gotcha. Yeah. I was going to make a joke about Tim Burton's Mars Attacks, but I thought that's where you were going. No, no. Okay. Uh, let's see. We've got an audio feedback. Would you like to hear it? Sure. Good, because I'm playing it anyway. <laughs> so here it comes. It's short. Uh, I was surprised how short. Gentlemen, imagine seeing or hearing from someone that you never expected to ever see or hear from again. I would have to agree with Coulson. Things did indeed get weirder. This is Agent H signing out. Yeah, things got weirder. Hmm. Good point. Good point. Yeah, I can you imagine even worse for Coulson, though, is this was a man he considered to be his friend for a while mm-hmm. who turned into an enemy who turned into a really nasty enemy who then you killed with your bare robot hand who shows back up again. That's rough. <laughs> That's rough. I mean, the look on his face when he saw that, that security feed that just made the episode for me. The episode made the episode for me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this this was just a really strong episode. That was a highlight, I guess. Okay. I should have yeah. said. Uh, we got a message from Agent Ryan. I'm not going to read it right now. Um, he kind of talks about uh, what what's going to happen in the future for Welcome to Level 7 with the possibility of lots and lots of different shows and less and less time for us to podcast about them. And uh, safe to say, I mean, this is the kind of thing we're doing right now with, with, uh, with you here, Evan. Uh, we are being, we are getting creative, as creative as we can. You ready for a, an awesome feedback? Yes. Good, because I'm going to read it anyway. <laughs> I subject that might be the case. <laughs> subject says, a uh, subject line: Agents of Shield, Space Time, Edwin Abbott. Okay, got the button ready, and let's read. Message says: Just in case you were wondering, Edwin Abbott's name is taken from the author of. Flatland, a story about a two-dimensional world like the one Fitz is describing in the episode. I really really enjoy your podcast. Please keep it up. Agent Windsor, Associate Professor of Physics and Astronomy, uh, Dickinson College. So we got a physics professor listening to the podcast, sending us this email, making me feel like, oh, but that is the kind of thing. That's an awesome book. And I thought about Flatland as he was talking about this because that's what the book is about, is about two-dimensional uh, beings who are trying to figure out what this three-dimensional thing that comes. It's good. It's a good book, and I believe it's public domain. I've mm-hmm. actually thought about cons- uh, the idea of making an animated movie um, of Flatland, like ad- adapting it into an animated movie. That would be interesting. I think it'd be really, really cool. I think it'd be really, really fun um, and really, really interesting. But, you know, time <laughs> all that. <laughs> and money. So, yeah, but it's it's public domain. So you, you, it's all on your, uh, you know, it, it's all on development. It's it's not on, you know, securing the rights or anything like that. So. Right. Well, I, by money, I meant the money you would need to buy the time to work on it well it's like that equation that i created 
of how to create art. You need time and talent and a thing that starts with T that means the word money and training. Treasure bin. You gave me Treasure. the T. I, I appreciated that. You gave me the fourth T. So if I ever use that now, I have to acknowledge you. Sweet. Yeah. So uh, that brings this episode to a close. And Ben, before we go. Yeah. I have some feedback that I've been meaning to send in. I just have not got around to it. Okay. Um, when listening through all of the uh, Agent Carter stuff, I couldn't help but notice your frustration with the guy. Oh, I can't even remember his name now. This is terrible. The guy who would phase through objects. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And how he didn't – he never you know, sank through the floor. Right. Well, I have a, a TV show that you might enjoy then. If you're interested in seeing something a little bit more realistic and that TV show would be Batman beyond the episode being sneak peek. Okay. I don't know which season it's on, but if you look it up <laughs> yeah, um, and you want to go watch that, I think you will be pleased to find, I mean, no spoilers now, but I, I think you'll like what you see and it might just ease some of that frustration for you. So another show with different rules. Is gonna... It's it's the same rules as any show or media that has. Are, the you, are you trying? Are you trying to tell me that this show you're talking about from Batman Beyond uh-huh. explains why they don't sink through floors? I'm trying to tell you you'll like what you see. Okay. All right. I don't want to spoil anything. Okay. So people, if you want to go see a good show with phasing, that's a little bit more. You know, realistic, <laughs> quote unquote. Yeah, go, yeah. go check out uh, Batman Beyond is is of the Batman cartoons the realistic one. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right, cool. Well, do you have any last words then for the listening listener who listens with those earbuds in their ear holes or the, the car radio playing? Well, I just want to say thanks so much for having me on. I am honored to be able to help out. And uh, Daniel, uh, get better. Get better soon so you can come back. <laughs> Wait, he's not sick, is he? No, <laughs> no. Back. This was not related to health stuff. So, <laughs> Hey, uh, I did almost forget, though. And I love this guy's name. I love this guy's name. Uh, this was a podcast review uh, in iTunes that someone left for us. Oh, yeah. And it's a five-star review. Um, I appreciate the five-star reviews, as, as most any podcaster would. Um, but his name is My Volgon Poetry. <laughs> I I don't get it. Uh, say, say it again. My Volgon Poetry. It, that's not going to help, though. It, it, no, I don't get it. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. No, oh, okay. I've only seen yeah. the movie. Yeah. They talked about it in the movie, I believe, but yeah, that's that's, haven't seen it in a long time. Well, it's got Snape in it, yeah, and a lot more people, but yeah, I love the name anyway. (laughs) Way to buzz my kill, man. Oh, wait, is that how you say it? Yeah, no, he, uh, I'm I say he, uh, but. I think it's a he because it's someone else who they give uh, feedback to a podcast about 112263 
also. I've heard them read some of his uh, um, feedback there. It's called 112263, A Look Back. Great podcast. Great, great podcast by Wayne and Troy, uh, who used to do a podcast in the, the Noodle Mix Network as well when Resurrection was still around. And uh, he says um, he likes the chemistry and he enjoys when we talk to our past selves to see if they're, uh, if our initial binge reactions have, have changed. And so we appreciate that. Thank you very, very much for, for leaving that five-star review. Always appreciated. Always, always, always appreciated. So from there now, this is where I give my last word um, just because I, I get to do this. I got to do the open and the close. Sorry, I, Evan. I, I see. Well, yeah, yeah go, go ahead. But before you do, I just want to say that Batman versus Superman is awesome. And it's a really great movie. I, I really like it. And Daniel, I know you're not sick. Just just come back. Just come back. <laughs> All right. All right now, you, now you can have the last word. All right. And here's my last word, uh, because Daniel's not here to defend himself. So uh, all I have to say is, you know, Daniel, <laughs> last time I saw you, you looked like an extra from Dawn of the Dead. But now you're a man who can inspire. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Once again, thanks for listening, and remember, welcome to Level 7. It's not just a podcast. It's a magical place. So your final word was about a DC movie, Evan. It was. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if we were doing this podcast about the DC extended universe, um, we wouldn't do a post-credit. <sighs> so here we are doing a post-credit because. No. But you know what we would do, Ben? What? We would do some incredible uh, flashback vision stuff in the middle of our the smack dab middle of our podcast episodes teasing <laughs> the next the next podcast, podcast episode. episode or perhaps the episode before that that hasn't even been released yet uh is what we would do yeah you know what it is yes. kind of an interesting thing where we can i guess bring in the idea of this is the counterpoint this is the counterpoint to what happened in this episode of Welcome to Levels, or of Agents of Shield, rather, where they are saying the the future is inevitable. If you've seen it, it happens. But for the uh, spoilers, spoilers, but there's a vision of the future, and Batman v Superman, and their whole and point, it was awesome. Well, but the whole point is, can they avoid it? I'm gonna say yes. In the DCEU, they certainly can't avoid it because it certainly no seems way. to be what they're what they're aiming toward. Yes, 
there's no way that's the ending. <laughs> let's just let's just be honest. Yeah, we're not going to go into the details of it, but that future is pretty bleak. And some of the things that people do is pretty awful. So, yeah. All right. That's it then. This is a Marvel podcast, so we're doing a post credit and this is it and now it's done. <laughs>